and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. If this is your first time listening, then hello. I'm so happy to have you. And if you've listened before, welcome back. Wanted to take a moment just to do a quick check-in with our community and wondering how you're all doing, where you're at, what's going on for you. I know that we just started eclipse season. There was a total lunar eclipse yesterday in Sagittarius, and there will be a solar eclipse in Gemini Uh, June 10th, I believe. So we're kind of going through some astrological shifts, some shifts in the collective. And so I'd love to hear from you. How are you doing? What can I help support you with? Feel free to message me on Instagram at Leah Van Doren and let me know. And yeah, I would just love to connect with you. Over in my world, I just finished Discover Your Creative Soul, which... I'm taking some time now to process and integrate the lessons that I learned through that and kind of in this in-between transitional moment of figuring out what's next for me, what kind of workshop I want to offer next. I know that I will offer another round of Discover Your Creative Soul probably in July, so definitely look out for that if you're interested. Um, You can find some more details on my website. But yeah, I just wanted to hear how you're all doing and, and what I can help you with. And so... I think you're going to love this episode with one of my favorite digital artists, one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram, and that is Rukmini of Rockin' Rooksy. If you don't know Rukmini and her work, she is an artist, designer, and educator. Her creative passion lies at the intersection of emotional wellness and creative storytelling. She is also a self-proclaimed 100-day project artist and author of the book 100 Obscure Emotions. She believes what is most personal is most universal and the sooner we realize how alike we are the more we can create a culture of empathy and personalism she draws regularly and posts on her instagram at rock and rooksy i love this conversation so much because rooksy is someone who is so honest and authentic and transparent about her creative process and about the creative process in general, which I love so much. And so we talk about the 100 day project and what it's like to show up consistently for a creative practice every day and what it happens when you get stuck, what happens when you face resistance. We also talk about how to risk and evolve as an artist, especially for someone like Rooksy, who was very successful online, and how do you allow yourself to continue to grow and evolve and change your style and continue to create from a place of exploration and growth rather than just sticking with what you know works and what you know will get you Instagram likes or success in in all of those forms. And we talk a lot about quantity over quality, which is one of my favorite things that Rukmini really illuminated for me in this episode, really about you know, to, to create as much as we can and finding the gems within that instead of keeping it as this precious thing that then you never end up creating. So that's a beautiful way to move through some of creative blocks if you're experiencing any at the moment. And so I think you'll love her 
just her as a person is was so much fun to talk to, so inspiring and just so down to earth. I just loved her perspective on things. Check out her art on Instagram where she draws about the Enneagram and about emotions and all of that good stuff. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode with Rukmini. Hello, Rukmini. Thank you so much for coming on the Creative Soul podcast. Of course. Hi, Leah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So the first question I ask everyone when they come on is what is currently fueling your creative soul? Mm, wow. That we're going in deep. <laughs> I, I love that question. What is fueling my creative soul? So for me, creativity is a way of just expressing my essence. And so I, I would say what fuels my creative soul is the fact that through creativity, I can really tap into my voice and I can really share who I am. And that's just, that keeps me going because after a while in life, we get so tired of kind of being on the surface level of kind of portraying one part of who we are. But I think that creative soul, like you said, is getting into that deep part of who am I really when I want to express myself. And I just need that in my life. So sometimes when I'm feeling numbed out or blase or whatever the word is, yeah, coming back to that is important. Mm, I love that. And that the fact that creativity is what helps you like find that deeper part of yourself. Yeah, that's a good way to put it too. Yeah. And so I, I let's get into like your journey and your background and how you got into the work that you do and how you got where you are today. Yeah, sure. So I've always been a creative child. I've always been into the creative arts, but I would say I didn't think I would be maybe an illustrator or go around that that kind of art direction. I decided to be a Oh, sorry, something popped up. Okay, let me start over. Oh, good. <laughs> there are things distracting me. Sorry about that. Sorry to make no you edit too much. Okay, so my journey. Um, so yeah, I was saying I've, I've always been a creative child, but it wasn't until I went to art school for graphic design that I really tapped into that voice. And that was very exciting for me. I think the world of graphic design has always been my first entryway into art. And I just love it because it mixes communication and visual arts together. And it's so... Um, it's so needed in the world. Everyone is using graphic graphic arts to some degree. So when I went to school for graphic design, I felt like I met my people. I felt so alive in that. And I really loved what I was doing. And so I would say my my day job is a graphic designer, but in the last five years, my journey has really expanded to where I've, I like to say I've accidentally stumbled upon illustration mm -hmm. and that happened all through the 100 day projects. So for me, there's a lot of history behind that. I'm super grateful to the process of the 100 day project because like I said earlier, that's tapped me into my creative voice mm -hmm. and graphic design is like a wonderful foundation for where I've built a lot of my skills and where I think about these design principles. But from there, I've gone on this very interesting <laughs> journey of emotional wellness, of drawing my emotions. I mean, if you asked me like five, six years ago when I was in college, I never would have thought I had any connection to emotions and, and the need to express it but it just the 100 day project in which we can get into more is like this amazing vehicle to just express things or, that are in you that you didn't even know mm -hmm. so that's why I like to say I stumbled into it accidentally because five years five years later you know I've had over 500 illustrations made I've created this whole platform about illustrating your emotions and I teach it now and sometimes I just look back and I'm like where did that come from <laughs> but the truth is it comes from consistent practice that comes from expressing yourself uh, as much as possible on a daily basis and just seeing where that journey leads you. Oh, that's so cool. And so bringing it back to like 
the hundred day project. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I want to get into that of like what a consistent practice gives you, but when, how did you find the hundred day project? What was that like initial impulse to start the hundred day project? Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I found it in 2015 when I was graduating from university of Florida with my graphic design degree. And of mm-hmm. course I really loved it, but like many things we do when we're in school are really pursuing something, you get a little burnt out by the end. So I was feeling the need to just work with my hands again and to just play with paints and watercolors, something I've never really done. Um, computer design was my main focus, but I happened to stumble across the 100-day project with a lot of my classmates, and all of us were kind of excited to just take on a fun side project, a personal project, something different than school. And so my first project in 2015 was super simple and kind of random. I just did 100 abstract drawings with watercolor and just different materials, and they were just super abstract. I had no big social media platform, you know, maybe just a few hundred of my friends, and I would just post every day. But I was just so surprised that I actually did it because I'm sure many of us can relate. We've taken on all kinds of challenges, Inktober and 30-day challenges, but 100 days is a very long time. (laughs) It's like a third of your year. And so I was very surprised that I did it, but I was, I felt actually transformed by the process because Mm -hmm. again, what I made was nice, but it wasn't anything spectacular, but it was the process of showing up. And, you know, I had a little sketchbook with me wherever I would go. And I was just very conscious about creating something every day, no matter if I was traveling on a plane or if I was sick at home or whatever, it was like, I'm showing up today. And so at the end of a hundred days, I had this giant like portfolio of illustrated watercolor and I felt more competent in watercolor. So then I just started making watercolor paintings and I just was kind of, I had a lot of momentum if that makes sense. And I was a bit on a roll. And so I just started painting a lot. And this was after I graduated, I hadn't yet gotten a job. I took a long gap year and I was just exploring. I, Mm. it was all, you know, the hundred day project for me was purely personal, but I just remember after doing it and completing it the first time I made like a little promise to myself, like, I want to do this every year as much as possible. Mm. And so that stayed with me. And and again, like I said, I was continuing to paint because I felt like I developed a new skill. And 2016 was a big year for me. That's when I did my hundred obscure emotion series. So Mm. that's when I got into this topic of emotions. And we can talk more about that, but that project has really carried forward. You know, it's, it's a big part of my brand and who I am. And I feel like it's taken on a life of its own. You know, it's turned into a book and a deck of cards and I had even a few art shows on it. And um, yeah, it was quite amazing. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah. It's so cool to hear, like, just you giving yourself this structure of the hundred day project and like this consistency of showing up for your creativity what seeds kind of were planted from that and like seeing how it's bloomed and blossomed now and Mm. what you're doing today and like seeing how that started just by like making that choice to show up for a hundred days. And so I'm curious, like throughout the first a hundred days that you showed up for this project, did you actually show up every day? Like what, what did you do on those days where you felt resistance or you just like, yeah, what was that like on the days when you like really didn't feel like doing it? Yeah. Well, first I have to say, I am not a consistent person. Like anyone who, who sees me, they might think, oh, this person is really regulated and has good, cons-. it's like so not true. So <laughs> I feel like this project really brought me out of my comfort zone. And that first, first year in 2015, that was the only year I've actually consecutively done a hundred days. Since then I have not, <laughs> I have taken weeks in between off. I have taken some hundred day projects have taken 300 days. Some I've never even finished. So the reason I say that is that the process is entirely 
entirely yours. And um, anyone who knows me, I get very excited about this project when it's coming around. I advocate for it. I encourage people to do it. And a lot of people say, what if I can't do it? And I tell them that's okay, because even if you do 10 days of this project, you will learn something about yourself and that will be so valuable. And so what you're saying about my process is that there were some days that I didn't want to do it or I was resistant. I feel that all the time. I'm currently doing my seventh 100 day project. And oh my God, you would think it would get easier by now. It just gets harder in a different way (laughs) because you're just, the whole process of a 100 day project is that you are engaging with yourself and your process. Mm -hmm. So every year it's a little different, your resistance. Like for example, over the years, I got more popular and my work became more known and I grew from a thousand followers to 20 to 50 to now almost a hundred thousand. And so of course that's exciting, but then it's just different because now my expectations are really high. I'm not creating these simple little drawings anymore because I, I know I'm being seen by so many people. So the reason I love these projects is that it kind of forces me to meet myself each year. Okay, where am I at now? What's my relationship with creativity this year that was different than last year? And it's very interesting. So all that to say that, yes, I do have those blocks and they're different every year. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. And the work is really about, like you said, like meeting yourself in the moment and like cultivating this sense of presence and awareness of like, what's going on? How do I deal with what's coming up in the moment? And I, I, I'm super fascinated by what you said about like, first you started this project, which was purely personal mm-hmm. and, you know, you're putting out, maybe people were receiving it, but now as your journey has grown and now more and more eyes are looking at you, like what does that place a certain pressure on your creativity? And like, how do you handle that pressure still, still allowing yourself that freedom and that openness to like be truthful and honest with you knowing that like people are going to see this. Yeah. It's a great question. I think all artists go through this in some degree because the people that are seeing us are always changing. Sometimes not many people are seeing us, sometimes a lot of people. And we have to really deal with it. We're never like um, divorced from that. It affects us. And so for me, it's been interesting because there's some years where I know a lot of people are looking at what I do and I kind of meet that standard and I create work that they love and I'm getting even more popular and it's wonderful, but like, I can't always sustain that. And so, so the way I see the creative process is sometimes I build myself up over some type of theme or topic And then I have to break out of that. And it's a constant rhythm of like, I build this kind of my standards and I create like a, I create like my visual voice and then I get a little stifled and I break out and I try something new. Mm -hmm. And now that bit where you break out is really scary. And I think this year it's been a lot of that. If you see what I'm doing, it's different than my usual work. I'm doing all digital art because I just wanted to learn it and enhance my skills. I'm, I'm trying not to care about the likes and stuff because they're a lot lower than before. And of course, Instagram, social media, they mess with our heads. The algorithm is always changing. And I'm very much an advocate for not being used as a tool by these platforms, rather wanting to use them. And so you, if you look on my even my Instagram now, you'll see I'm posting things and they're like half finished drawings or I'm just posting long rambles about the creative process and getting blocked. And all that to say that the reason I'm doing that is because I'm hyper-conscious and I'm a little stuck, that I'm stuck in a certain kind of style. And it's great to have a style, but as an artist, we have this journey where we're always wanting to evolve and try new things. Mm. Now, when you have a platform like social media, you'll create a certain style, you'll get successful, and then you'll be really afraid of risking something different. So that is the, the thing I'm always, that relationship I'm always looking at, that when you become successful at something, how do you not get stuck in that? How do you let yourself risk people maybe not liking your new style for the sake of your creative evolution. Mm, That's so well said. And just 
yeah, the, the bravery that it takes to like risk something and try something new, which is the work of the artist. So constantly like having that awareness of, of what's going on is like, will allow you to move through it. And I've been keeping up with your hundred day journey and like, they're still so personal and relevant. And I love that you explore the Enneagram in your (laughs) work. Um, and so I'm curious, like now in this hundred day project, what does that process look look like for you? Like, do you have a plan of what you're going to create? Do you just let it flow? Like, take us through yeah. a day in the creative life. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like I said earlier, every year is different. And the reason why is my needs are different every year. So when I started this project, I say that some years I need ease and some years I need fire, meaning mm. that I need to push myself and I need, to, I need to know what my need is. And some years I'm not pushing. And I like last year, 2020 was crazy. I let myself off the hook. I did 50 images. That's enough for the project. I didn't need to finish it. So that was more ease. So that being said, I've had some years where I've been very structured and it's been amazing. I think in 2018, I did my first um, Enneagram 100 day project and literally every day was a different type, a different subtype. I was collaborating with an Enneagram teacher. We were like pre-planning a lot. It was quite amazing because I really thrived under that structure. Now, could I do that all the time? No, because I just have different needs. At one point I need to get out of that. And so this year, literally no plan. It's actually a little overwhelming because today it's like, what am I going to draw? I have no idea. Mm. (laughs) I mean, I had a bit of a plan. I was doing these images of heads and I was drawing different things. And then I wanted structure. So, you know, for about a month, I did these Enneagram drawings, which was really fun. But then again, I just feel like, no, I need a breakout. Let me try something totally different. So the reason I'm saying that is that my process, I would say, is a lot about tuning into kind of what I need and doing whatever I can to not feel stuck, to not feel bored, to keep pushing a little bit more. Because I can keep drawing these little heads, I can keep drawing Enneagram types, I can look at my Instagram and see what's popular and copy that, but that is, that's stifling my voice, that's stifling um, me from just taking a risk to try something new. And one more thing I'll say is that I'm, I'm, I've become increasingly more interested in this kind of relationship artists have with social media and kind of creating art versus like performing and and making art for a certain kind of recognition and validation if that makes sense Mm. because I think it's so new you know only in the last 10 years or so with Instagram and artists but it's really shifted how we make art you know before it would be a much more private practice we aren't showing hundreds of people our process and so I think that feels more safe and now there's so much pressure to perform a certain way I mean literally we have performance metrics and I'm like this isn't natural for artists artists need space to just be themselves not to constantly look at who's liking them and who's not and and in the end that that stifles our voice because we're creating for a certain type of validation and recognition and so that's something I'm becoming more and more aware of and I really don't like I don't like it in myself I try to break free from it but it's hard when you're literally using the platform so all that to say I have a mixed relationship with Instagram and these platforms yeah that's so true thinking about like people weren't really let into the creative process like it was you know without social media or getting that insight of like the behind the scenes we would just see the product And I think we kind of like put like, I think artists starting out or creatives wanting to create, they kind of like put themselves to the standard of like what kind of product they need to produce or like the outcome. Mm -hmm. But this is what I work on in my work. And I love that you, this is a big part of your work too, but like really about it being the process and like, yeah, not about like what comes out of it, but really like 
honing in on like that process, that cultivation of awareness and Mm. all those things you were saying. And so I'm curious, like, because I think it's such a big skill and it takes a skill. It takes practice to develop the skill of like awareness and, and really like noticing and observing what you're doing instead of just doing what works. And so for you, like, how did you cultivate this sense of awareness, this deep, like intuitive awareness about you and your nature and your rhythms and your flow and giving yourself what you need in the moment? Are there any other practices that help you cultivate this awareness? Like, what has that journey been like for you? Mm, That's a really great question. Yeah. I would say as an artist, I do have a lot of emphasis on the process, but it's interesting to think where, where have I cultivated that need? And I, I think it's coming from a few different places. I think naturally I have a kind of a, a desire to be kind of authentic in my expression. And if you're familiar with the Enneagram, <laughs> that has also helped me because the, the type four has this need to be very authentic in what they do. And I think I have a, like, I've always been searching for that, that I want to create art that is of course successful and yet authentic. And that's kind of like a interesting, I don't want to say paradox, but it's like an interesting tension to hold those two. But I will say that I I grew up in a family that just ha- has a lot of spiritual values and that is very kind of rooted in different conscious practices. And so it's kind of, it was kind of part of my vocabulary. I didn't realize that growing up, but looking back, you know, always kind of being able to differentiate the mind and us or know that we are not our emotions and just things like that, that I took for granted. But as I've gotten older, I just, I come back to that to stay grounded. And um, I have certain just role models and friends and people in my life who do this really well. And so I'm very grateful because it's not that I'm just this really mindful artist, but I have people who I see do this amazing. And and they're always very, I guess the word is like vigilant about their intention. They're vigilant in the sense that they're not just doing something for like that instant gratification, for that sense of um, validation and things like that, but they're very conscious that, okay, I'm putting this out into the world for this intention, if that makes sense. So I think because I've been around those people, I've been um, in the yoga scene. I was working at a yoga studio in New York for some time and I was even a yoga teacher myself and practicing meditation. So I have a background in all of that. And and those practices are a big part of who I am. And, and again, I just have to come back to it because we can just get so swept away by this world of consumerism and this world of everyone trying to be you know their voice is heard over anyone else and it's just so competitive and we can get lost in it and it's really it's really overwhelming if we don't have some kind of practice to come back to so that's for me that's a big thing just having a background and and different meditational practices and mindfulness and things like that the enneagram has been been a big tool for me so for those who aren't familiar the enneagram is a very powerful uh personality framework that helps us it's more than just like a personality quiz right it helps us to understand our deeper uh, motivations our desires our fears and so i just dived into that maybe like three years ago and i've been a student of the enneagram since and it really opened my eyes to to what is my real motivation and because it really uncovers our ego and for me it's like there is need to to be seen and need to be validated and that's okay but I I guess the word is a vigilant I kind of catch myself before I go too far Mm -hmm. so that kind of ego work that I'm constantly doing is very helpful and it keeps me humble and it keeps me trying to just be genuine in this practice. Mm, That's so cool to hear and I'm so glad you you've like developed people in your life and, and the practices mm. that like ground you and, and help you separate ego from self, which is mm-hmm. what I think maybe the goal is here and, you know, whatever background you come from. And 
that's something we explore a lot on this podcast about the intersection of creativity and spirituality. And so I'm curious, like from your perspective, how do those two work together or intersect? Like what have you learned from either? Just talk a little bit about how that um, relates to you in your practice. Yeah. So I'm always inspired by creatives who have this touch of the, the spiritual aspect to it or you know, I was even reading The Artist's Way earlier. So again, for those who know, like she's only talking about God and spirituality and and how creativity is spirituality. And so I very, I'm very influenced by that. And again, I grew up, um, my family, we practice bhakti, which is a spiritual practice all about connecting with the divine, connecting with God through service and loving service. So that's just a big aspect of who I am. And creativity is just another aspect that I've developed my whole life as a way to, again, touch with my voice. And so for me, I get really inspired when I think of these two as one and the same, that creativity is a way to express your inner divinity, this idea that we are all divine beings, that we have this gift given to us, and that creativity is a way to access that. And I love, I love those quotes, and I love artists who see, who see themselves as a conduit of the divine, if that makes sense, a conduit of something greater than themselves. I think that's it's such an important way to sustain creativity because if you go around thinking that you are like the genius behind all your ideas, that's also a lot of pressure to feel like it's only coming from me. But when I'm able to say, okay, whether you call it God or universe or whatever, that there is some larger force. And as an artist, we get to channel that. We get to be like a representative of, of this like wonderful energy coming through us and flowing through us. For me, that's just so much more sustainable, so much more exciting, so much more like grounding. It keeps us humble. It keeps us grounded. Whenever I get lost and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? What can I do? I just try to remember that, yeah, that creativity is a spiritual practice, meaning that it's more than just making something pretty. It's about remembering who I really am. It's about getting connected with my source. It's about being part of something greater than me. So all these things are just... I guess, inspiring. And all these things are like my deeper reason of why I do what I do. And I think everyone, whether you're spiritual or religious or anything, you need some kind of deeper anchor, deeper reason to do what you're doing. Otherwise, at some point, it just becomes road. It just becomes mechanical. So Mm -hmm. I guess that's my way of of saying that you need something deeper. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautifully put. And, And connecting back to like this why of why we create and it not- Yeah just you and it's all on you but like you are a channel for the divine so it's like you're channeling the messages that need to come through and so I really love hearing that that's part of your practice Mm. because I definitely relate to that too and you mentioned that you have a day job as a designer Mm -hmm. or graphic designer and so I think many people are like trying to balance like work with art and life with art and like making time for those creative practices and so How has like having a day job, have you wanted to be a full-time artist? Like how has that kind of influenced or informed your practice rather than like quitting your day job and being a full-time artist and, and like, is there a pressure there or a desire there? What's that for you? Yeah, definitely. It's such a relevant question. I think for me and only recently I'm, I'm transitioning out into being a, like a full-time artist and navigating what that is, which is a whole other topic, but that's only after five years of creating consistently after building a huge platform. And so 
I think it's really important if, if we're pursuing some kind of creative field to not jump ship too quickly, because yeah. that, again, just puts too much pressure on us. And so for me, I'm really grateful because when I was working as a graphic designer, it was sort of part time. Like I had enough flexibility that I could do side projects. So for me, that was a big gift. And I just held on to that. And so that's why since 2015, 2016, I was doing all these 100 day projects. I was just putting my heart, you know, on Instagram and I was sharing my art and I was I was feeling, um, I guess, really free from that because I wasn't burdened with this financial pressure to make money from it. And that's one of the best advices I've heard from someone that don't burden your art too quickly with financial pressure. And so because once we do that, again, the art isn't freeing. It's we're creating art for a purpose and and that's important to create and to receive money and to be paid. But if you do it too soon, you're not letting yourself take risks enough. You're not letting yourself explore and to just be free. You're suddenly calculating what is going to be the most successful. And it's just another type of place to be. So that's my word of advice that if anyone is being creative, like keep doing that, find a way that you can keep it consistently in the side of your life as a hobby or whatever. And if it's meant to grow, it will grow and it'll guide you. So I feel like it's not that I've been chasing my artistic dreams. I feel like they've been chasing me (laughs) and I'm like, I'm not ready. And they're like, no, like we have grown, like do something with me. So that has been really helpful (laughs) to see it that way. Oh, that's so cool. I love, I love that they're chasing you. Yeah, they definitely are. (laughs) What feels present for you now? Like what direction do you want to go with your business? What is that bringing up for you? Yeah, I think this pandemic that we've been in a year has definitely closed doors and opened doors and it's shifted around all of us in so many ways. So, you know, a year ago I was in New York, I was working as a graphic designer part-time for this wonderful um, cultural center yoga studio that I was a part of and I loved. But when they had to, they closed, they were open virtually, but I was already transitioning out. And so when I transitioned out, and I came back to Florida, I had enough of a security net here that I could take some time off. Mm -hmm. And so although I was kind of freaking out, what do I do now? Should I look for another job? And part of me is like, should I take a total career turn? Should I like get my master's in psychology and become a therapist? You know, there's just so many options of what can happen. And I explored many different routes, but I also felt, and this is the part where I feel like my creativity is chasing me or my dreams, because I just felt like it was so clear, like this thing that I've been wanting to do that I have been doing for years is like the way ahead. Like I have time, I have space, I have no other responsibility. I have a financial safety net to just try this even for six months or so. And so that was actually really exciting. It was a big blessing to feel that this was just like standing in my way, like, okay, Rukmini, like you've made so many drawings, you've done so many things, like start selling, start selling products, start teaching. Mm -hmm. And it just happened naturally. It was, it was really exciting. This last year, I feel like I held on to this because this was the one thing in my life that was just so clear. (laughs) Everything else is very unclear, but this was clear. And I just, I felt like I was taking one step and a door was opening. So I've been doing a lot of online teaching, which I've never done. And it's been so fulfilling from teaching small groups to creating and running an entire six-week course to doing corporate workshops and all kinds of things. So that Mm -hmm. for me, I think you get a sign of to continue something when you take one step and you see the path open up a little more. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes, I can't remember who it's from, but it's this idea that the path is made by walking it. 
So if you're walking a path and you're getting block after block, then maybe take a break, maybe stop it. You know, that's, that's the feeling of like pushing against something, you know, that's a different feeling. You're pushing to make it happen. But when you're being pulled, it's a different feeling. So my experience was I was being pulled and it was exciting because I, I would do a little random online class and it opened another door to something else and that opened another door. So I just told myself, I, I feel like I'm being pulled into this because I'm just trying and I'm trying to be as detached as possible because I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, who knows what they're doing with their life in 2020, <laughs> but um, it was exciting. Doors were opening. I felt like I was being pulled. I, you know, last year I also developed my card deck and I was selling that and I was teaching and this year it's the same thing. I'm kind of looking at life six months at a time. If I hit my financial goals, if I'm doing well, I'll keep going. And so far I feel graced that it has been working out. Okay. And, and there's, opportunities opening up. And I think it's, it's just a helpful way to look at it, to be excited to take that step forward, but not so attached that you're like pushing for it and that you'll be frustrated if it's not happening, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. It makes total sense. And it's such good advice of like, all we can really do is like take the right next step. And I yeah. love like this differentiation between being pushed into something versus being pulled into yeah. something and like following that calling, so to speak, mm -hmm. and like trusting that when you take those little steps, like that's, what's going to lead you down your path. And, and, and who knows where it will go. It's, it's unknown, but it's exciting because yeah. it's unknown. Exactly. And going back to like social media a little bit, cause I'm really fascinated by what you said about like your relationship with social media and this pressure to put, put art out consistently and um, connect with your community while also knowing that you have these eyes on you and how social media has changed since you've started sharing it has yeah and so like for you what place are you in it now especially with like in terms of the value of like continuing to put work out on social media like do you still find value in it uh is there different things that you've considered or is this kind of the way that you found to connect with your community Mm, yeah, I definitely have mixed feelings with social media, but I also can't say that I'm not benefiting from it because everything I've built has come from my Instagram account. And, and I mean, I think the reason I get frustrated is because Instagram is really made in such a way that we're not really in control of who's seeing what. Yeah. And that can feel frustrating when you've built something. And there was a time when I had a huge engagement. I mean, some images were getting 15, 18, 20,000 likes. Yeah. And now, you know, sometimes they drop to 300 and it's like, what is happening? And the, you know, everything, all, everything has been dropping. And so that can be frustrating because it's the feeling of, I'm not using Instagram as a tool anymore. I feel like they're using me because it's like, oh, if I'm not getting enough here, then move on to reels. Oh, if that's not working, move on to TikTok. It's like this, this game that we're playing and, you know, all power to those who are doing it. I don't want to put them down because it takes a lot of work. It's amazing. But I just want to say for those who feel exhausted by that idea of like playing the game, you don't have to. And so for me, I'm trying to see how do I not have to do that? Um, that being said, I'm still posting a lot. I'm trying to just be active, you know, on my 100 day project and share because there is value to people seeing my work. And I don't even realize it all the time. But even like you said, like you follow along and people are following my journey. And so for me, it's important to still post, but it's important not to get stuck in, in the metrics of it. So that's almost like a spiritual practice because it requires you to show up and not be attached to the results. And for me, I grew up with this ancient text from India, the Bhagavad Gita, and literally the, the main text um, purpose behind it is this 
this um, point of do your duty and not be attached to the results. And so it's amazing how these come back in such relevant lessons. So for me, when I get frustrated with Instagram, I'm like, oh yes, do your duty. Don't be attached to the results. Super hard. (laughs) And it's a spiritual practice because you have to just trust that this is what you're meant to be doing. You have to get let go of all those huge expectations. You have to even dim down your ego of being the best artist and say, hey, today, this is what I did. And I'm trying not to be attached to the results. So again, that's what I aspire to do. And it really helps. Uh, I love that. like, feels so relevant to me. And yeah. just like, yeah, coming back to like the service of it. So it doesn't matter yeah. if a thousand people are watching or 300 or one, it's like show up, share and let go of the outcome. And that's, yeah, yeah that feels so relevant. And so mm-hmm. I'm curious now, like, what are you excited about? Like, what do you think is next for you? I know you said that you kind of look at this in like six month terms, but what are you like really looking forward to? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. I, yeah, sometimes I'm losing sight of the super long vision because it's like one day at a time, but I do have some long-term visions and goals that I've had for a while. And one has been publishing a book and it's it's exciting because I've, I've been doing these little, like I've been doing this teaching and this course and in the back of my head, I've just felt like this is a book manuscript. I want to reach out to a publisher. And so this is a dream I've had since probably 2015, 2016, and just either haven't had the time or the energy or even a solid book idea to reach out. And so I feel like that's coming together. I mean, knock on wood, I don't want to speak too soon, but for me, that excites me because to be honest, even until just a few weeks ago, I was feeling a little like mechanical. I was like, what is the point of all this? Am I just teaching the next thing? And I'm just creating the next product. But I think we want to feel like we're working towards a larger product, a project, something, a larger vision. And so for me, yeah, the idea of creating a book or something that gets mass produced is very exciting. Um, something that I can just sink my teeth into for like eight, nine months, you know, like that is exciting because otherwise I'm just working one day at a time, you know? And so I almost want to like take a step back, look at all this material that I've made and like weave it into a larger project. So I, I rarely ever feel like I have the time for that because again, I'm just doing the next thing, but it's like, I need someone to make me take a step back and just recalibrate and, and combine all these little pieces into a big, whether it's a book or a course or something like that. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's like taking the daily practice and then like bringing it all together in this like larger vision and this larger message that you have to share. And I, it's, yeah. it's interesting that you say that because I'm doing a daily practice now where I write down 10 things that mm-hmm. I experience or observe throughout the day. It's actually based off this prompt by this poet, Marie Howe. And it's really like, it's a practice in paying attention to life. Yeah. And it's kind of like, short form journaling. And I'm doing this every day. And I kind of already like, don't want to jump to the next thing. But in my mind, I'm like, this could be a book, maybe yeah. or, like, you know, you could find those little things in the daily practice. And so that's what's so beautiful about like having a daily creative practice. And so yeah. I love that with the 100 day project and just the work that you do that you found all of those lessons and like, found those nuggets in in the Mm -hmm. path that's so cool to hear yeah thank you and I I love that you're doing the same thing and it really reminds me of one thing I want to point out a big part of my process that I tell people and that surprises them is I value quantity over quality so of course quality is important quality you'll reach quality eventually as you do quantity but we have this goal that's backwards like we just need to get to the quality and and I'm realizing there's no way you're going to get to quality unless you do quantity 
And so that's been my kind of my motto, my mantra behind my 100 day project. It's like, do the quantity because in the quantity in 100 days, 50 would be great. You know, 50 will be okay. And 20 will be great. And 10 would be amazing. And like three will be mind blowing. You know what I mean? And so you're going to mine out that quality. And so that's what I keep reminding myself when I'm saying, why am I showing up? It's do the quantity. And so that's why that also a lot of people who want to create books, who want to do these amazing projects, sometimes they they just start at the opposite end. They start, okay, I'm going to make the book and then they're paralyzed. Where do I start? What do I do? That's such an overwhelming project. But like you're saying, write 10 things every day for a year, you're going to get incredible content in a year and then you'll have your book. And so, you know, even for me, I've been doing these newsletters and it's a way to practice writing and I send it you know, once a week and it's a lot of work. And part of me is like, why am I doing this? <laughs> but in my head, I'm thinking, no, like you think a year, I think two years, even five years, could be a long time, but five years passes. I'll have a book. I'll have many books of content by that time. So I get very excited by that idea that the daily input I'm putting is creating like a mammoth size portfolio for me. Oh, I love that you said <laughs> that so much. And yeah, that's something you don't hear a lot, but it's like, that's what showing up consistently does. And like just creating and creating for the sake of creating, creating for the sake of creating eventually you have created some something, yes. a work of art, a body of art, rather than like, okay, I'm going to write a book. So now I have to write my book, you know, until it's done. But it's like, just in the living of it, in the yes. experience of it, of the showing up of it, it's like, that's how you're creating your life's work. So that, that's like super relevant to me right now. And yeah. just like really exciting of like, yeah. And then it, it, it removes all those blocks of like perfectionism and like where you're allowed to make bad art because, yeah. you know, you're okay. It didn't work out today. There's tomorrow. You can create exactly. some art. It's there. very self-accepting. It's like a very revolutionary process for our own relationship with ourselves. We're more self-forgiving. We're more accepting, less of a perfectionist. And yeah, that's, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. I love how you explained it that um, for me, that's why I do these projects. It's because we're living it. We're living the book. You don't need to just say, okay, I'm going to make a book. Where do you start? But first live the book for a year. Then you have a book. I mean, some of the, some amazing authors have just written a page a day for a year and they have incredible things to share. But I think the reason we don't do that is because we are a culture obsessed with results. And so we don't want to do a page. You know, some some people might look at what you're doing and say, what's 10 things every day going to do? But if you have that vision that, no, if I do it every day, it will lead to something amazing. Then it does. Yeah. Oh, that like, oh, that's like, <laughs> like a warm hug to hear. It's coming. <laughs> It just gives you that permission to like continue and to have a consistent creative practice. Cause that's when like you find those jewels and those treasures and all of those things. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. And lastly, I love sharing creative resources with people. And so I'm curious, what are you listening to reading? What's inspiring you right now? Is there something or a resource that you'd like to share with us? Oh, yes. Yeah, so many things. <laughs> I actually have a weekly newsletter that I shared earlier. And because I've been maintaining that, I'm so aware of all these things that I like because I always share a book recommendation or a podcast recommendation. But when I think of what is standing out for me right now, I mean, one podcast I come back to a lot is On Being with Krista Tibbet. Oh, so that's just her. been a source of just like inspiration for years. I absolutely love it. They have um, a, like a secondary podcast they created called Poetry Unbound. I think it's starting up again soon. 
it's this amazing like 30 minute podcast that takes you through a poem and breaks it down for you. And it's just, yeah, it was just incredibly inspiring. So th- those are podcasts I love. Um, I'm reading a few books on the Enneagram, which has been great. One is The Path Between Us, talks about relationships and the Enneagram. And I really love that. And um, music, um, John Batiste, I think that's how you say his name. Have you heard of him? Yeah, Suleika Jawad's um, partner. Yes, oh my gosh. Okay, I love so Yes. So I just read her memoir. We can include that. Oh, um, yes. Oh, her memoir. I read an advanced reading copy. Um, I'm part of this like website that gives you some advanced reading nice. copies. And so I read it back in the fall and like couldn't stop thinking about it for like a month. <laughs> yeah, it was powerful. I've I've been following her with the isolation journals. And so, yes. yeah, I love what she does. And I recently I heard the whole audiobook and I just felt like I was in her world. It just changed the way I even think of cancer and her way of like integrating these two different worlds. And then when I found out her partner was John Batiste, I was like, oh my God, my mind just exploded because I was Such a obsessed power with this couple. music. Such a power couple. I was like, wow. I mean, it, they're one of those couples that like in their 30s, they're doing so much that I'm just like, wow, wait like 20 more years, 30, they're going to be like icons. So anyway, I'm very, I advocate their books and their music. Oh my <laughs> it's gosh. inspiring for me. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait to check out some of John's music because he was, he did the, music for soul right he did yeah in the last year he's won like an oscar and emmys and he has this new album we are which i just love i'm listening to it all the time when i'm exercising um there's a specific song i think it's called i can't remember we are another one and it's like this amazing mix of pop and jazz and Mm. it's the funnest like it'll just your your heart will just explode with joy so i I'm so impressed with him. I'm very excited for what his career career will, will bring up for him. Yeah. Okay. I'll definitely listen to that. And you bringing up Enneagram reminds me that I, I, I'm like intimidated by the world of Enneagram because I feel like there's so much to discover. And so for, um, and I, I think I've taken the test like twice and I've gotten Enneagram seven, but then another time I got Enneagram three. So yeah. I'm curious, like for people that want to dive into Enneagram and like figuring out their Enneagram, where do you suggest that they start? Mm, it's a good question because it's not like any typical personality test in the sense that it's very complex and multi-layered and that can be intimidating to start. But it doesn't have to be super intimidating. The quiz is helpful to give you an idea of what you are, but very likely it won't be so accurate because it's just, it takes so much self-knowledge and awareness. And usually people learn their type from a lot of reading and self-assessment. Sometimes it takes months or even years. I've had people go in between. So it's, it's quite an experience when you actually discover your type. It won't just be a quiz that tells you your type. Um, my foundational book that I love is personality types. It's just, it's one of the first Enneagram books made years ago by Don Riso and Russ Hudson, who are the founders of the Enneagram Institute. So that's when I would say personality types. And then the road back to you by Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stable is a fantastic book. It's such a delight to read because it's not this heady kind of overly intellectual book, which many Enneagram books are. It's just like wonderful stories and each one just paints a very vivid picture of each type and it has questions to ask yourself. So uh, the road back to you, I would suggest that one. Oh, thank you for that. I'll definitely check that out. Cause I was definitely like, do I start with the quiz? Do I, you know, I know. How to dive deeper into it? So that's a great suggestion. Yeah. The quiz can help like guide you a little bit. Um, but yeah, books definitely help. 
Okay, cool. And so where can people find you, your work? Where can they sign up for your newsletter, follow along on your current 100 day project? Yeah, of course. So you can find me on my website, which is Dear Ruxi, Dear R-U-K-S-I at um, dot com. And so there you can see my products for sale, my art sessions. Also, if someone wants to sign up for a workshop. And um, my Instagram is rockinruxy. And so I have a lot going on there. You can see what I'm doing. My newsletter links are in both those places. And yeah, we just love to stay connected. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. I find you so inspiring and like your art I've been following along for years. So to get to talk to you today is like such a dream come true. Just thank thank you you for sharing this space with me. Of course. Thanks for inviting me. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.